Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we will be discussing some picks for Friday's college football action on FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, Believe it or not, this was supposed to be a Saturday night podcast episode, but it seems like both of those sites are kind of waiting around and seeing um, before they post their prices, which is kind of annoying for somebody who's creating content. But anyway, it does allow me to do a deep breakdown of the Friday night games. Now, as of recording, this is Thursday morning, so you know there isn't going to exactly be a long lifespan on this podcast, but I do get a chance to come on and talk about Friday night's games and some picks for Friday night. Once the NFL regular season starts, I am going to be bringing a lot of NFL content your way, as well as weekly college football content and weekly golf content. So make sure if you want to stay up to date on all of the episodes, subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. And if you want more content, um, subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. All of my official picks and lineups will be going on there, um, and hopefully they will help you make some money. All right, so let's go ahead and talk some Friday Night Lights. But first, let's hear from our friends at Anchor. This Friday night in college football, we've got a lot of projected close games. Most of these games have an over-under that is set in the 50s, too, which means that there's going to be a decent amount of points scored here on Friday night. The only games that really stand out um, in terms of ones that are going to be blowouts are Eastern Michigan over Eastern Kentucky. That's an FBS versus FCS opponent. And Michigan State over Western Michigan. That one has a pretty lengthy spread as well. Uh, On DraftKings, there are a few more of these matchups that are FBS versus FCS, such as the Kansas game and the Charlotte game. Um, So those will be lopsided as well. Remember, generally speaking, uh, FBS versus FCS matchups don't have betting lines posted until like the day of uh, or even like hours before so if you're trying to get an advantage on those betting lines it's not really um, something that's widely available but I will say generally speaking the FBS team is going to beat the FCS team by a lot of points Um, so in terms of games to target I don't think there's really any specific game this Friday night to avoid and I don't really think there's any game this specific Friday night to target but with it being week one there's a lot of uncertainty in a lot of situations out there And so you need to have your goals in mind when you are creating lineups this week. Am I somebody who is trying to create a high floor lineup for a cash game? Or am I somebody who's trying to uh, play low-owned, high-risk players in a GPP big tournament? So... With those goals that you have in mind, they're going to dictate who you want to play this week. There's a lot of risky options. There's also a decent amount of safe options on the board for Friday night. So let's go ahead and talk about the quarterback position. On FanDuel, the top price option is Peyton Thorne of Michigan State. I do not find Peyton Thorne to be worth that price tag, in my opinion. Uh, he's in a long line of ins- or Michigan State quarterbacks that seem to be like just very average, like not really deep ball throwers, not really super-duper accurate, not really overly mobile. They're just kind of average quarterbacks. It's been that way at Michigan State since Kirk Cousins was there. Um, but he has minimal rushing ability. Like he's, you know, he can run a little bit, but he's not somebody that's going to give you a lot of fantasy points on the ground. So in my opinion, his ceiling is about 35 points. And that's about what you would want him to score to pay off his price tag on FanDuel. So I'm not going to play a guy that his ceiling is like average value. I just don't see that being a good value. Um, last season, he was above 25 points eight times. So he's got a very high floor. 
In my opinion, he makes for a good cash game play because of that reason, but he's not a tournament play because of his minimal ceiling. Next down the board is Grant Wells of Virginia Tech. He is probably my favorite quarterback play of the night. Uh, he's got a track record of being a solid starter at Marshall before transferring to Virginia Tech. So one way that gives him a little bit of advantage is that Marshall played ODU, Old Dominion, every year where he was at Marshall. So he has experience playing this defense. He has experience against this coaching staff. And this time he gets a little bit more talented roster around him with the Virginia Tech squad as opposed to the Marshall team he was playing with. So... Grant Wells of Virginia Tech is definitely a solid option. I think he does have a high floor and a high ceiling also. And I think that game has sneaky shootout potential. I don't think either of those defenses are all that hot at the moment. Another guy that's a very solid play Friday night is Taylor Powell of Eastern Michigan. Uh, he is going to most likely be in a blowout and most likely going to be able to put up a lot of points. It was shown down the stretch last season that Eastern Michigan is a team that wants to throw the ball a lot, which bodes well for Taylor Powell, because even if they are up 14 to 21 points and they're still throwing, that is going to increase his opportunity to score more points. There are three teams where I'm avoiding their quarterback rooms entirely just because of the uncertainty, and that is Colorado, TCU, and Indiana. Um, looking at articles, looking at depth charts, looking at what beat writers are saying, all three of those situations have varying degrees of uncertainty around them in terms of who the starter is going to be and what the snap share is going to be week one. So I really don't want to pay for a quarterback on FanDuel or DraftKings where I don't know how many snaps they're going to take. That's just not a winning proposition. Now, like I said, if you're trying to create a low ownership situation for a GPP, does that induce a lot of risk and potentially bring you great reward? Yes, but it's just not something that I can generally buy in, especially when there's quarterbacks priced around those guys that I think have higher floors and safer options. Even if you are trying for a low ownership GPP lineup, there are more low ownership plays that allow you more safety than playing a quarterback who is going to be sharing snaps. Another guy that I do like is Dewan Mathis of Temple. He's like super cheap on both sites. And he's also a transfer from Georgia to Temple, which means that he is used to playing against SEC defenses. He wasn't outstandingly great at Georgia. Like he was kind of just pedestrian. That's why Stetson Bennett ended up being the starter. But I do think that with the talent that he's got, you know, his ability to get to Georgia, obviously he's going to be able to shine at Temple because he's got the talent. He's used to playing against more talented teams than Duke that he's going to get this week. In the two FBS versus FCS matchups this week, I do find Jalen Daniels of Kansas and James Foster of Charlotte to be legitimate options. Um, those games are going to be blowouts. Those guys have high price tags around them. Remember, Chris Reynolds from Charlotte, the normal starter, is out this week, so James Foster will be the starter. Um, but I do find both of those to be viable options as well in those blowout games. All right. We talked about how to bring the ball through the air. Let's start talking about how to move it along the ground and analyze the running back position. The first thing that stands out about the running position is the one guy here who has played a game last week, and that is Chase Brown of Illinois. He put up a 36-point performance last week against Wyoming. While I don't think that he might get 36 every single week, he is certainly a workhorse back. He is going to get a lot of carries. Illinois with Brett Bielema at the helm, they're going to run the football. And what's super notable is that on DraftKings, they did not adjust Chase Brown's price. He is still $5,400 on DraftKings, and that feels like stealing for a running back who is very talented and is going to see the ball 20-plus times on any given night. Uh, I just think Chase Brown is an absolute lock to play on DraftKings. He's going to be very highly owned if you're playing a GPP. 
ADP. But I do think that in terms of the investment, I think that Chase Brown for $5,400 is an absolute lock to play. Now, there are a lot of running backs in this slate who were not starters last season. So if you're looking at game logs, they're not exactly going to be the most reliable source because these guys are in different roles than they were last season. There's also a decent amount of committees this week. So when it comes to a running back committee, we don't know what the workload is going to be, especially with it being week one. So if you're trying to maximize your floor, stay away from running back committees or projected running back committees, uh, you know, just because you don't know how the carries, how the targets are going to shake out for that position. So just when you're playing a running back this week, do the research, see what the depth chart looks like around them, see what uh, you know, the backfield share is going to look like around them. Does this team have a history of running a committee or not? Or do they have a history of just picking one guy and rolling with it? Now, one guy that I do like is Jalen Berger of Michigan State. Um, the way they are priced, Jarek Broussard is higher priced than Jalen Berger, but yet Jalen Berger is listed ahead of him on all of the depth charts and everything that I can find on the internet. Now, if this is a game where Michigan State goes up big, both of these guys are going to be viable options. But I think that with Jalen Berger being the lead back, you know, all indications are that he's going to be the lead back. Uh, I would definitely play the lower price between the two, which is Jalen Berger, the one who's projected to get more carries. So I think that Berger makes for a good play this week. Now, another guy that is going to see a big workload is Blake Watson out of Old Dominion. Last season, he saw 18 or more carries seven times. That's in college football, that's a pretty good number. Virginia Tech is going to be better defensively than most of his opponents, though. Uh, you know, playing in Conference USA, you don't play a whole lot of stout defenses. But generally speaking, if somebody's going to be a lock to get 18 carries, that's somebody that I want to get at my lineup, especially at the price point he is at on both sites. All right. So that's it for the running back position. Let's go ahead and talk about receivers. When it comes to receivers, there is one play that I really like more than all the others Friday night, and that is Jaden Reed of Michigan State. He is my guy for this slate. He's a very talented player, and he now is the guy in this receiving core. Like last year, he was competing with multiple receivers for targets. This year, he is going to be the guy. He should see plenty of targets. And against the Western Michigan defense that is not up to the level of Michigan State's offense, I expect him to have a lot of success. I expect him to find the end zone at least once Friday night. I know he's up there in price, but I think he's worth every penny because like I said, he's not competing for targets in the same way he was last season. So I think that he will be the play at receiver Friday night. On DraftKings only, the Charlotte... Uh, William and Mary game. It's only on DraftKings. But I think both Charlotte receivers present options. And I mean, Grant DeBose and Victor Tucker. Grant DeBose is seeing a price hike off of last week's performance, which is weird because last week, you know, they didn't really update Chase Brown's price, but yet they updated Grant DeBose's price. So I don't know what they're doing over there at DraftKings. But I think they're both options. Grant DeBose really highly priced because he had one deep end zone catch. And Victor Tucker did not get that. Other than that, if you take away that catch, their games were about the same. So I think that both DeBose and Tucker are viable options, and I think that at least one of them will find the end zone. If you're looking to be lower ownership, I think that DuBose will see higher ownership, so Tucker might be a pivot play if you're looking to capitalize on low ownership plays. Last week for Illinois, Isaiah Williams had just an okay outing. He didn't find the end zone. He had seven catches, but what I more care about than that number of catches is the 10 total targets. A receiver that's getting targeted 10 times is eventually going to see a lot of yards 
and a lot of touchdowns. So I'm trusting the workload there, not the box score that it ended up at. He is still very reasonably priced on both sites, uh, and I'm not taking it away from him that he didn't find the end zone or didn't really have any deep catches last week. Uh, I'm just trusting that with that workload, he's going to obtain more points as the season goes on. Uh, Everything's going to regress to the mean. Now, all three Eastern Michigan receivers, and that is Baydoon, New, and Drummond. Holy crap, I hope I said all those right. Um, they are all pretty much similar situations. Like, they're all three going to be starters. They all three saw some work last season. And if you look at the game logs, it was kind of unpredictable who was the top dog in that offense on any given week. So I think they're all playable. If you're somebody who is doing multiple lineups with small variations, I think that varying those three guys can work for you because I think Eastern Michigan's offense is going to score a lot of points. I think that all three of those guys are going to be on the field at least 80% of the time, but I don't really know which one's going to pop. So if you are playing uh, Eastern Michigan's quarterback, Taylor Powell, that it might be a legitimate option to stack with one or two of those receivers um, because you want to capitalize on Eastern Michigan's offense. Now let's talk about two Old Dominion targets real quick. Um, Coots from Old Dominion, he is their tight end. He is a legit option at tight end this week, and I think he's actually being underpriced significantly on DraftKings from what his game log indicates. He is a tight end who sees a lot of targets, and he gets a lot of catches, and he's not being priced like it. He scores more points than a lot of the receivers that are around him, so like I don't get why he's priced so low. I think he's a legitimate option, and he, you can definitely play him in your lineups if you want to relieve some salary. Another guy, Ali Jennings for Old Dominion. He saw a huge end to last season, uh, and I kind of think you know they didn't really price him as if he was the guy that ended last season. So if you think that he can kind of keep up that little hot streak he was on, I definitely think he's an option to play. Pretty much at the receiver position this week, guys, I am eyeing stacks. So whatever quarterback I end up playing, I'm going to be playing a receiver for that quarterback. Uh, I think that there's a lot of legitimate options at wide receiver. At the moment, none of them overly stand out to me except for Jaden Reed. So whatever quarterback I play, I'm stacking them with a wide receiver, maybe even two wide receivers, uh, and then I'm rolling from there. And then I also think this is another week that make sure you get a quarterback in that super flex position because, like I said, so much uncertainty surrounding the running backs, a lot of uncertainty surrounding some of these wide receivers as well and how their target shares are going to play out. And what you can find certainty in is that certain quarterbacks are going to play every single snap of their game. So, um, like I said, stack your receivers, play the quarterback at Superflex, so maybe even have two stacks going in your lineup. But that's what we're looking at Friday night, guys. It's a very interesting slate of games. Uh, it should be a very fun slate of games. And um, if you're listening still, you've made it to the end. Um, thank you guys for listening. I hope I can help you win some money this week. If you want my full lineups and my full picks for any of the college football slates this weekend, head on over to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. All right, again, guys, thanks for listening, and I will see you next episode. Mm-hmm.